0: this week on the Dial podcast I am pleased to be joined by the crew from Y Foundry Um, they are building a bunch of cool things in the DeFi space Uh, I look forward to just bringing them on pick their brains on a whole bunch of topics and and keep the conversation going so Crash Ray and Clean thank you so much for joining me this week thanks for having us
1: Yeah, happy to join thanks for the invite
0: a quick thing we want to do is just an introduction on yourself so um, if you all could just please provide a background of how you got into crypto how you went down the rabbit hole i think we're all lunatics here so how we got into Terra, maybe as well but um yeah just give me the rundown of, of what your crypto journey is we can start with crash because i'll just go from the, the right down to the left and around there so
2: all right yeah so um i think i got involved in the space like many others you mentioned it falling down the rabbit hole. I think that's very appropriate. Uh, I've got a background in tech, leading learning and development um, of creative professionals to design, prototype, launch various projects using things like VR, AR, some artificial intelligence. Um, for a large tech company, I've been working there for over 10 years. Um, I got interested in investing in tech stocks. Um, From there, discovered Bitcoin in this wider world of crypto and really got fascinated with the promise of smart contracts and some of the potential of the technology. Uh, From there, joined a few Discord, Telegram communities. That's how you get access to the information. Um, held my breath, bridged funds back and forth, um, somewhat irresponsibly um, because that's pretty much the only way you had to do it back then. But got to explore various DeFi chains, um, you know, staying plugged in. Heard about Terra, you know, got excited about it. The user interface, um, some of the potential there, the concept of a decentralized, you know, kind of stablecoin you know, kind of brought me in and, and really the community, was a really strong community overall. So um DeFi Desk was a community that I got involved with, chain agnostic Discord server to talk strategies, get support, um, you know, started being active in the community, answering questions, um, calling out opportunities, sharing useful things. Uh, Clean and Ray, a few others took notice. They set me up as a moderator on there. And then from there, Supported a few projects in the space, helping out in various capacities, and, you know, that includes uh, being contributor for YFT.
3: Yeah, so I got involved in crypto in 2009, 2010, uh, with Satoshi's letter uh, on Slashdot, uh, if anybody remembers Slashdot. It used to be news for nerds, stuff that mattered. It's still around, but... Um, they you know, published all kinds of crazy tech stuff. And so one of the things they, they published in one article on there was Satoshi's letters. So a bunch of us spun up the Bitcoin wallets uh, way back when on our desktop computers and started mining Bitcoin. Uh, I lost mine, my friends paid off their house with theirs. Uh, I'm still looking for my wallet.dat, man. But you mine uh, 50 Bitcoin in a single block back then, I think was what we were getting. And uh, if I wouldn't have lost it there, I would have lost it in Mount Gox because that uh, uh, was—I signed up and sent my utility bill over there to KYC, and uh, then never sent the tokens that I had. (laughs) But um, so anyway, that's when I got started in crypto, and before that, I was involved a little bit with distributed computing and some of the uh, the uh, forefathers of that. They actually were my neighbors. (laughs) We ran into each other one day at a at a convention and then we realized that we lived like two blocks from each other. So then we, we would just hang out and deal with distributed computing stuff. That was like a decade before uh, Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency. So uh, I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. I started my first business uh, in technology when I was 14. Uh, I was doing tech work before that, but I finally wanted to get some money. So I started charging. I think I charged like $4 an hour when I started out. And uh, um, yeah, then I, uh, I you know, kind of decided to go retire in uh, about seven or eight years ago and then went back into crypto a little bit for fun to see kind of what's going on in it and ran into uh, clean in um in Polygon, no, it wasn't. It was in Ethereum at that time, when it was still cheap. In Dracula Protocol, I was like, "Oh, I can help this protocol with some documentation on their new on their new uh, launch and stuff." And ran into Clean and and uh, kind of stayed in touch when everything dumped in Ethereum in May nineteenth, I think that was twenty twenty, maybe it was. Uh, and then uh, yeah, we went over to Polygon and kind of went our separate ways and. Clean went to uh to Tara and said, Hey, you should you should come check out what's happening over here. We want to start a project. So that's kinda of how I got involved with YFD.
1: I was early in crypto and all I got was this shirt. <laughs> well, I have a long story, but I'll cut to the interesting parts. Uh my first job actually I was uh milking goats and selling the milk door to door on my bicycle as a kid uh and you know that's that was my the first time i learned about sales about people and basically just like you know all the skills necessary to be an entrepreneur i didn't make any money off the milk but i did make uh, i did gain enough skills that i could do my own uh, computer repair company uh, which is what you call uh, going on to farms and buying 2nd parts and then rebuilding computers for other people um and you know i just hit that caught that bug of like um, zero entrepreneurship having ownership of your time having ownership of your business Um, and I kept doing that past college where started my own photography company and did that for three years before getting a job in fintech and I think throughout my journey it's always been a focus on people and building things Uh, it's it's always been a passion of mine that you can always make something better if you kind of get get down to the brass tags and figure out how it works. And I think that's the kind of uh, curiosity that brought me into Web three and DeFi. Uh, knowing that you know, with even with the financial existing financial system that we have, there's very very limited amounts of what you can change, especially as a, a normal user. And I've been investing in the stocks at the time, uh, energy and airlines, and just realizing that the entire industry is completely cyclical and completely in the hands of other people. That made me realize the importance of DeFi and and crypto as a development. And so um, getting into that in 2021, uh, I bought my first piece of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And uh, honestly, I was just flipping it every month for maybe like 10% trading profit. But I realized like, you know, if there's Bitcoin, why are people buying Ethereum? And I had to look into it and figure out what was the draw. And that brought me into smart contracts, and that brought me into dApps and DeFi. And uh, that brought me into Dracula Protocol, where I met Ray. Uh, and I just started reading and reading and reading so much that when people had questions, it was natural for me to 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 answer them. And eventually, they made me a community moderator. Uh, and it paid twice as much as my day job. So I kept doing it. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, I went from seven hundred dollars a month to like two thousand dollars a month. It was a huge upgrade for me in terms of lifestyle and 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 opportunity and just realizing that wow, you know, this exists. This exists out there and it's accessible. And I started doing more and more. Uh started writing for protocols. I worked with Coop, Unit Protocol, ArcX, uh Immunify hired me later that year to be full-time and that was my first Web3 job. Uh, and that was when I finally uh, jumped fully into it. Uh, but it was just about half a year with Immunify, and, and you know, an amazing half a year, by the way. You know, great people and just learning, drinking from the fire hose, kind of learning because they're the biggest web three bug bounty platform in the world. And uh, you know, learning a lot about security. Uh, six months later, it's like I, me, Ray, and a few friends got a pitch going and we actually got investors so they came and told me they were like hey clean guess what we actually have in people who want to invest in this thing that we pitched and i was like okay <laughs> six months in my first uh web 3 job jumping away from my web 2 career and cutting like fully cutting off and now i'm jumping into a venture of like a bunch of strangers some internet friends so i'm like hell <laughs> why not uh, and yeah, we've been doing that ever since it's been almost a year now. I think we started in November or October last year. Uh, and, you know, now that we're here, it's been a surreal journey. Um, but yeah, we're still building. We're still on this journey. And uh, I think we still will be.
0: You're building with your internet friends with some magic internet money. What could be better than that?
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Thank you for sharing, guys. And I Absolutely. love how entrepreneurial this whole entire team is. All of you, all of you have had some sort of like pull up by the bootstraps, going to hop in and <laughs> who knows where things go kind of story. I really love to hear that. And um, once again, really appreciate each of you sharing your, uh, your different perspectives and, and ways in which you got involved within the space. Um, moving into the topic of discussion today, uh, and as Clean was alluding to near the end there, why Foundry DAO? Do you guys? One of you mind just giving an overview of what Y Foundry does, what you're hoping to enable, and maybe just just the broad introduction into the project.
1: Y Foundry. Y Foundry started out as uh, me trying to pitch faults to another protocol, Apollo and Nexus on Terra, and I was like, I had this strategy idea. I did the spreadsheet, everything, to calculate calculated. I did the strategy myself, and I was like, Hey, this works, right? And I'm like. I want to somehow pitch it to someone, turn it into a smart contract vault, and you know, maybe get my profit off it, uh, share of the fees, or just pay me a one-time fee thing kind of thing, you know. And uh, you know, I shopped around. I had my proposal and everything, and it was just you couldn't get any face time with the teams. Not not because they were you know uh, elitist or anything, but they were actually really really busy, and they're very limited in in terms of like their time and resources. So now that I'm building, I, I get that. Uh, but it is a problem in terms of, like, in DeFi, how do you build vaults from user, like, ideas, right? You you, you really can't. You kind of need to get around and build, uh, you get your own team, you need to get developers, you need to get investors, you need to have branding, you need to have marketing, you, need to, you know, a whole, whole thing, just to build one strategy. And to me, that was kind of like, well, we don't have a solution for this yet? That. And so I pitched around. Ray was on board. We had a few friends from DeFi Desk on board. Uh, Crash eventually as well joined the project. And it's like everyone kinda saw the same problem and we we all, you know, sort of refined started refining our own solution for it. And we said, you know, we should made it make it so that no one else has this problem ever again, and so I think that is what birthed the idea of Y Foundry, which is a uh, a decentralized vault, acceler- a strategy accelerator, where you can come and bring your idea, put it up on a proposal, uh, bring it on chain, get funded, get it built by a trusted developer, and then have that deployed and fully owned by the community. And continue having that process uh of like continuous improvement and continuous uh iteration so that you can keep launching new vault products with the same framework, you don't need a core team to kind of like approve everything that you do or say, uh because you have the community and you know, sort of working on that hive mind basis and turning that into a scalable strategy platform is kind of I think what Y Foundry is about. Uh it's yeah so we have we have a lot more thoughts on it but i think that's the basic uh overview
0: um i guess going a little bit further into detail there and actually building out my community and going through the accelerator aspect of this let's say i want to build a dow and it's a running joke in Gravity dow that we will one day launch a sock dow um, long story short we have a bunch of socks laying around somewhere in <laughs> elo's house um, anyways we always joke we're gonna launch a sock DAO with all the sock holders uh, holding the socks. But anyways, if I was to launch my own project or want to go through the Y Foundry experience, uh, what would that look like? What's the process? What's the application looking like? Uh, just give me a rundown of how that would look from a user uh, side of things.
1: Uh, this is definitely something that, that we've been uh, iterating so much over the past year as we're building this. It's, it's like we think it works one way, then as we build it, we realize it works another way, and then we realize it doesn't exactly work that way either, then we have to this and that and this and that. But uh, so this is kind of the final experience, I think, for MVP. i, I would qualify that. This is for MVP, at least what we've agreed on and i think this is this is how it will work um so we have basically the user you know or the strategist the proposer the person with the idea who wants to bring it to the platform get it made and then make make their money right so the way that that works right now is kind of like you can come to the discord uh you can use uh one of the bounty systems that we have set up with uh dwork who's pretty awesome um, and basically what happens is that you put up kind of this uh, strategy prospectus, which is a template that we've we've already ironed out, and you can just fill in the details, you know, name of strategist, name of the developer that you're going to work with, blah, blah, blah. You can leave stuff unfilled as well as in the draft stage, and then you just put that up in the community, as in like you submit a, I think it's a bounty, and then uh, it, it it on the Discord, it pops up as like a message from the bot. It's like, hey, you know, someone submitted this bounty, uh, By actually it's a like proposal and then people can look at it people can review it it's just like how you do like say agora but we're trying to do it in a way that's a little more like in the community rather than its own website um and then basically you can you can then like discuss with the community and like get the input that you need you can get If there's someone in the community with financial modeling experience, quantitative finance, they can come and like help you uh, refine those models and things like that in your strategy because the whole community has a vested interest in your project Uh, in in terms of, and let me explain why, right? It's because uh, this may be jumping further a little bit, but with every vault that launches on Y Foundry, uh, 67% of fees, two thirds of the fees goes to the strategists and the boosters. And these are the people who ideate the vaults and the people who fund the development of the, but one third of that fee goes to the community treasury. So this is why the community has a vested interest to help you get that vault launched. Even though it's not their idea or not their vault per se, it's everybody's vault in 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 terms of like that one third fee sharing. So uh helping your vault be a successful vault is something that's invested interest the community, and so uh, they will help refine that strategy, perspectives, uh, and. What that refinement looks like uh, at the end of the process is you have a strategy prospectus with all the details of your strategy, how to execute it, what are the risk parameters, what are the financial modeling uh, that you've done on it, you know what's the potential profit maybe what is the the things to mitigate the risks. And then also like it has the details of the developer and the statement of work or the proposal from the developer how's that development milestone going to work what are the costs of development and so on and so it forms a complete picture when you put it up on an on-chain proposal uh, that the community can decide with good data with valid data whether this is worth funding or not uh and or whether they want to approve this or not as as a community so i think that's the process that we have laid out uh where once you've done with the 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 document the strategy prospectus you put it up on an on chain proposal the on chain proposal contains all the information uh and then basically goes for community approval and once it's funded and approved uh if it's fully funded and fully approved um then you basically have that development
3: process start part of the investment too in the way this flywheel of development and vault found founding and funding works is that the community funds the vault development as well they pay the developers the the core team is the community or whitelisted developers from the community so there's no uh, centralized team of developers it's it's groups of developers that the community has vetted and so that Basically, they take this well-formed prospectus that details how the strategy or vault is supposed to work. They work with the developers who have already bid the job because they've seen the prospectus before the proposal goes up. And then the funds for the entire development process are escrowed in the proposal contract. So it's guaranteed payment for the developers. They're not waiting to get paid or looking for funds in that sense. And the, the payment schedule is in the proposal and working through the smart contract. And all of this is on chain. So the developers finish the development process, submit the smart contracts to be actually, you know, instantiated on the chain at that point, uh, reviewed by the community and then voted on and said, yeah, the contracts we got, you know, they've been audited, they are actually what we expected them to do. You know, they do meet the qualifications we outlined in the original prospectus. And that gets distributed, uh, or gets instantiated on chain and deployed as as the vault. And then anybody can go ahead and f- deposit in that vault. I don't know if uh, anybody else wants to talk about how that profit sharing works, or if you have another. No, question keep going. Just we just keep get, going, get all this information the out
0: hole. there. I'm loving this. Uh,
3: I think we we leaked the alpha um, a couple days ago on how this uh, profit sharing actually works, and so. The strategist is the person who initiates the proposal uh, the initial proposal, and they fund a portion of the vault. They're required to fund five percent of the of the entire development fees up front. and out of that, the way that profit sharing works out of the performance fees of the vault, uh, a minimum of ten percent of the performance fees go to the strategist who proposed the vault itself and then the other Like we said, 33% go to the treasury for YFD, and then it leaves 57% to be spread amongst the community who funds the vault. So the way we're actually doing that fund distribution is we're using NFTs to represent ownership of the vault. So the strategist will get NFTs, the boosters will get NFTs, and the DAO treasury will get NFTs. And those NFTs represent a portion of the profits where now we're going to do about 1% per NFT to start, but that's a governance thing that the the DAO will be able to choose how they want to split that up. And those actually then become transferable. So if you fund 5% of a vault, you'll get uh, approximately five NFTs and maybe down the road, you're like, hey, this is a profitable vault, but, you know, I want to fund some other vaults. I need some capital. You could actually sell off a portion. You could sell one of your NFTs on uh, Stargaze or a marketplace, depending on what chain it is, and recoup some of that initial investment that way. If you, you know, uh, and then whoever purchases that would be able to start claiming those performance wow. fees out of the vault.
2: Yeah, think. Yeah, it, no, I just like think. I think of it as like kind of the old world stock certificates. You know, you've got those like pieces of paper where you can kind of tell, like, I own this many shares in this company sort of thing. Um, It's a useful way to visualize with these NFTs. They have different, you know, starting off at the 1% per share. And a lot of this are parameters that the community can change. But um, yeah, that's kind of the thought. You could easily transfer those shares to somebody else and then they can pick up on the claiming from there
0: i just i overall i absolutely love the ethos that you guys are presenting with this and that is you know when i think of incubators at least the ones that i've come across in the more traditional sense that those exist already you know those have been around for a while then we have some of those who integrated some aspects of smart contracts or web three but they're still very centralized in some of their cores you'd still have a centralized committee who is still approving or disapproving of things in the platform and they hadn't quite put the pieces together of of you know getting the proposer out there or then having a developer crew ready to go. Um what I love about this is that you are taking all these different bits and pieces and then you're collecting them and putting them all together in an actual, you know, DAO fashion. Um and that is the smart contracts at the end of the day are the ones um really overseeing the processes of this and that all it takes is just human input and then human ideas to then go ahead and actually incubate ideas and put things out there and build them. Um, I'm curious, you know, I, 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 so, well, we'll get into the Terra crash in a bit, but what kind of projects are you guys looking to see on there? Do you have any examples of projects that are interested in coming on? Just curious for the listeners as well to gain some context into this about what kind of things we could see uh, spawning out of Y Foundry
1: we've been we've been doing a lot of outreach uh even before the crash we've sort of like had a pretty good relationship with many of the projects on Terra space i think the ones uh, you know grabbed out notably definitely one of our earliest partners um and also like you know astro heroes and uh you know uh, the punks Skeleton punks um and so on you know and after after the crash i think a lot of the people who stayed shared a sense of like survivors bond uh, and, you know, we've been working on some products which will hopefully help uh, these projects as well as, you know, bootstrap our our initial faults. And so uh, Crash can take us through what that means.
2: Really, the concept of um, some NFT branded partnerships, um, it it kind of rose out of the fact that um, we're using NFTs from a utility perspective. I mean, they're technically... You know, NFTs that have a lot of functionality that, you know, Ray can possibly talk about, not, not passing it to him, but he could possibly talk about some of the like new functionality that we're able to implement um, from a CosmWasm perspective. But um, yeah, essentially, the, those NFT representations of the shares of the vault, I mean, they have all the capabilities, the functionality of normal NFTs as well, in addition to this kind of interactivity that we really haven't seen at this level. So, just got us thinking about like who's who's around on Terra. Who are the most powerful, strongest communities that have stuck together through this? Um, The most active, and um, frankly, there's not. I mean, there's still a lot of protocols that are working to come online. So, to do some of the more elaborate strategies that like Clean, for instance, had devised for the original Terra launch, the primitives just aren't there. So. What are you going to do? So looking at focusing on some, you know, solid strategies that a lot of NFT projects, maybe they want to have something to manage their treasuries besides it just sitting in a multi-sig. Maybe they want to put it in something to either have some sort of staking ability or some sort of yield. Why not have a branded vault where they get a portion of the fees back, the majority of the fees back to their project back to their treasury maybe their holders you know get some sort of special participation or you know it's a way that they could promote some additional ways that the community can contribute to their project so instead of just having the options of we have to release another collection or we have to spin up a validator ourselves or something like that it seemed like a really cool way to partner with some of those strong communities and um and get something out there. Um, so yeah, those NFT branded vaults are something we're going to launch with from an MVP perspective, and very excited about the potential to do more in that space. With you know maybe some advanced funding for NFT collections, maybe doing something with full blown you know sort of larger collections with some sort of financial backing. I mean, I think YFD is building some primitives that you can reconfigure and compose in different ways to do all sorts of really interesting things in the future that the community will be excited to explore.
0: I like how Ray halfway through that, you're, you're about to ask him if you want to follow up. He's just like, no, I <laughs> do not pass this on to me. <laughs>
3: you can totally pass no, it to me, no, but no, know, no, we're, no. we're pretty cooperative here. We're, we're, that's we're right. That's right. You guys are really embodying the, the spirit
0: of the doubt, tonight. I'm loving this, <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you for the answer crash. The NFT branded vaults i think that's a great idea and something that you know it's it seems like it's a piece of your roadmap. and as we're rebuilding and i'm about to bridge into the dark days of the terra crash but you know as we are rebuilding and and refiguring out where a lot of these projects are going the great diaspora of uh, terra as some called it but also you know a lot of people stuck around and are still building there and seeing what can come out of the ashes and um you know i, I keep a pretty open mind because you never really know what's gonna happen in this space with everything moving so fast but let's go to those dark days real quick and and speak to those times, which were which still are incredibly challenging for so many projects coming out of it. Um, just take us back to that fateful day in May um, when <laughs> everything just seemed like unbelievable, um, something that you've it just just so breathtakingly. Uh, Epic, but terrible at the same time. Just the fastest crash you've ever seen. Something that was built and crash. As your name is also here, so this is appropriate too. Um, but just something that was really spectacular and horrifying all the same time. Just you saw. We've all been involved. We we're probably all lunatics for a good amount of time at that point. Um, I think you know. I was about a year into my journey at that point, and seeing these communities build and grow, and then all of a sudden things just came to a screeching halt. Uh, walk me through what it was like on the Y Foundry side of things. What were you saying to your community? What was your team reacting internally? Bring out the initial thoughts of this moment, and then we can start getting maybe into the transition period where you say, okay, what do we have to do next to rebuild?
1: So uh, I think the thing about that they um or rather that situation itself right it's it's not one that starts kind of out and off a vacuum i don't think anyone can say that like oh this is something that just like happened popped up like an you know, incredible coincidence but it was definitely something that we we wouldn't have thought would happen uh but yeah i mean we knew that there was always the possibility uh, me and Ray, especially back when we were on Polygon, I think some people may still remember uh, this coin called Titan. Uh, and they had a stable coin called Iron. Yeah, Iron Finance. Uh, and we were happily farming as well up to the day that it went completely bonkers. So. Uh, I think we we've, we've it's fair to say that you know I've had a very personal brush with kind of like loss in terms of like a stablecoin depegging, and uh, it's not the first time that I see it. When I started seeing the same thing, we started seeing the same thing happen with uh, UST, and we went into a war room. You know, we were like, okay, we should really talk about uh, what to do in case this never comes back. Um, and then I think it was like probably around. The, 70 cent mark or past that when we said, okay, it's time to, it's time to cut the, the card. you know, otherwise we're not going to have any, any sort of treasury, any sort of funds left. It was the bounce though, mm-hmm. because
3: it hit 41st and then it popped back up to 80. I mean, this was like a couple day, you know, mess with your, your heart and your brain and then getting them quote tweets from Doe <laughs> steady lads, deploying capital. That was a,
1: yeah. That was the dangerous time for me,
3: because <laughs> you're like, okay, well, my brain says we need funds to get out of this, to keep going, but then you've got the the face of the entire chain saying, "Hold on, I got this." You
1: know, you don't want an entire blockchain or an entire DeFi primitive no. that's dependent on one guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel absolutely not. So. Anyway, yeah, we, we pulled the cord. We were like, okay, it's time it's time to get out. We've seen this before, you know. Uh and uh, yeah, by the way, even the first project that me and Ray worked on, Dracula unfortunately had its own uh the chart went like this. So we, we we've had we've seen this before, you know, it's not coming back. Uh, and so we made we made the change uh barely in time to to get maybe like I think forty percent of building. We were in the war room, we cut the cord. Uh, we swung the X and then uh, we made it out with about forty percent of our treasury, which is not too much, but definitely better than some of the other like victims of the loss that we've seen. So we we did that, and then you know we kind of like just reeled and recovered for a week or so. I think it, there was a lot of you know just like despair. I think uh, how how often do you wake up and see that your entire industry? may not continue anymore, right? It's like all of our partners' uh, projects are just like, well, we just raised funds, but now those funds are worthless. Uh, and we're just like, yeah, what What are we gonna do? Or they just launched tokens.
3: That was the other brutal thing. Those projects had just launched right before.
0: It was just a chaotic time. I don't know if, if you guys remember, there's all the NFT drama going on at Terra too. During those moments, there was the whole big NFT exchange drama and oh, yeah. Trading going on. We're not whoa, supposed whoa, to we, say we, it. We don't name names around here. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was crazy seeing that peg go from 40 cents back up to 80. Cause I was in a call, I was on a Zoom call that night with, um, it was uh, Joseph from the the Bytes Digital Group, and I was just sitting there. And we were discussing this whole plan about whatever, and we're just sitting there. And we're like, we're not going to discuss this. We're just going to watch the pig. And we just sat there, and it was like forty cents, and all of a sudden it just started creeping up. And we're like, is this coming back? Like, what what is happening here? Then that's. I think that was the same night where the study Lads Deploying More Capital" tweet came out. And It was just. It was the whole entire arc of that experience, but yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy because every single project that you had known or interacted with or spoke with, especially if you were just focused on that area. Um, I mean, it was, it was like, is this over? And I mean, yeah, I, it's going to take a long time. It's still, it's still, they have a long road of recovery ahead of them. Uh, Terra as the, as a community as a whole, the lunatics, but just looking back at it, it, it was really something else. Um, it was just, it was as if <laughs> all of a sudden things never felt the same in crypto in a way. Cause I had always been big into Bitcoin and then I explored a little bit into Ethereum, but Terra was really my head first, like I'm going to dedicate time and effort towards maybe building something on this Um, and then seeing that because it's the UI, the experience, just the accessibility of it, um, things like Cotto coming online, the on-ramps, just the whole aspect of having a decentralized algo stable. It was really interesting. And then there's always in the back of my mind, though, you know, as you mentioned, the Titan Iron Finance, you know, you saw investors like Mark Cuban just get wrecked <laughs> on something like that. So that was that, that kept me pretty afraid in the back of my head saying, OK, was well, is this is this secure? Is this safe? Uh, but it got to a point where I was like, no, it couldn't be. Look at all the stuff being built, all those amazing things. And unfortunately, the the worst the nightmare came true in a way. Um, but then, yeah, so. Looking ahead here, what was the big decision going forward for you guys? When did you decide, okay, we're gonna clamp down and we're gonna start focusing on Cosmos, but we're also gonna be looking to the new Terra chain. So what really went into that thought process of just staying on track uh, and not veering too far off of that?
1: The the one main thing, the biggest thing, I think, uh, coming back from that kind of event was uh, we had our team meeting and we said, look, uh, we gotta decide like what we're gonna do because uh, this is all we have left, right? We don't have the full runway for the full roadmap that we had planned. Uh, we're not probably not going to have any money by the time we launch this. Uh, and we decide like you know if we're gonna do this, it's gonna be unanimous. Like if any one of us is not fully prepared to to take this to its con- conclusion, then you know we probably should just call it off and return the funds. But uh, yeah, no, I think at that point, we realized like, you know, more than anything, we wanted to see this idea, a reality, uh, the thing that we've been working on because of everything that we've seen. It's like, you know, is there a truly decentralized launchpad on DeFi? Is there a truly decentralized way for people to launch projects? I don't think so. You know, neither, none of us think so. So we decided, yeah, this is what we want to do. Even if nobody uses it, we want to build it. We want to make it real and say that, hey, we did it. We made it real. And it it
3: changed our focus from, like, before when we had the runway for two years, you know, our focus was, like, we're going to build these flagship vaults to showcase, like, the quality of, you know, what we can produce and what the developers can produce. And we did that for Terra. Like, we had vaults that worked with Mirror and, uh, and Anchor, you know, done and like doing CDP swaps and all that crazy stuff. And we never got to deploy them. The code's just sitting on the shelf now. Uh, but what we really had to refocus on is like, what is the core infrastructure that we can deploy? Because we've got maybe runway to the end of the year, maybe, right? And like, how do we want to build the system out? It was that, it was that amazing, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, moment where you don't have enough time and you don't have enough money, so you actually have to make hard decisions and actually say, oh, we can't have everything. We have to pick what we value. And what we valued was building a system that would essentially allow the community to fund itself. So we can give the infrastructure to the community to continue this on, right? But we can't fund the all the the whimsical, magical vault stuff that we want to fund immediately
2: yeah it's just like what's the lasting contribution there because um, all of the stuff that you know the community that we're creating the community is creating it's all open source you know like what do we want to see you know how do we want to move this space forward not to get too like philosophical about it but it's like when you have that sort of hard decision and it's like what are you going to go for you know like well let's go for something that could be really meaningful and could be something that a lot of people take advantage of whether it's our protocol or whether it's you know yfd or whether it's whatever you know i mean like i think that that is uh it's kind of a, it's it's liberating to a certain extent and you know the just the thought that some of this will live on beyond the intended purpose and will evolve and it's all composable and we'll see it you know kind of change into something amazing, I think.
0: Well, just the amount of lessons, I think a lot of projects took away from this experience as well. And the fact that you had to sit down as Ray mentioned and make those hard decisions, what do you value most as a project and what do you want to ship to your users? What do you think will give them the most value as well? Those are all things that when times are good, I mean, and the, the moon's the limit, I mean, go past the moon at that point. There is no cap onto that. But when you have to sit down and say, we need to then begin the process of half survival, half we need to make just the, the most valuable decisions for us and our community at the same time. Um, it's a tough, it's certainly a tough experience, but I think a lot of these projects and why and Foundry will certainly come back stronger from these experiences. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing how the projects that have stuck around and most of them have, I feel, I feel like I've seen tons of projects just continue building on uh, despite all the obstacles in their way. I think uh, I think they'll come back as better protocols in the long term. Um, so it's something just to keep an eye on. And uh, once again, you know, the space is constantly evolving and we'll see what ends up happening with things like the new Terra chain which and Cosmos in general, which is where I'm going to bridge next. Um, I know, Ray, you mentioned you were at Cosmoverse. Um, I, I'm just curious to hear some of your guys' opinions on maybe what's going on with the cosmos space maybe a little bit about your uh opinions on the new terra chain do you think there's a lot of potential there do you think that this there's a very um a very very large narrative kind of being kept somewhat under wraps in the crypto space being somewhat um, underappreciated i think would be the best way to put it and where do you think this could all be going for the whole entire cosmos uh modular blockchain or more application specific specific blockchain narrative
3: So, yeah, I went to Cosmoverse in Medellin and it was really cool uh, getting to see, you know, and interact with a lot of people that we'd heard about, a lot of projects that we'd heard about, a lot of projects we hadn't, I hadn't heard about. Uh, And just getting that face time and realizing that, you know, yeah, even though we're building in all this, you know, digital space that there's still a lot of value to be had to just like look somebody in the eyes and say, let's have like a five minute conversation and you get more out of that than like sending telegrams back and forth for, for days or weeks. So, um, it was really cool, uh, just to, just to kind of get a pulse of what's going on and, and just the attitude of everybody. And I think it's, I think people are overwhelmingly positive. I mean, I look at what the cosmos is doing in general, uh, you know, it's a, it's a giant organism of consensus and it's very heterogeneous in terms of like how it's operating. Like if, you, if, if Tara was like a, a snake, right. And you cut the head off the snake and the whole thing dies. It's like, cosmos is a huge hydra. It's, uh, uh, I can't even remember. I'm, I'm losing the name of the, uh, it starts with a T the old Greek, uh, multi-headed, uh, hydra. But, um, uh, Tiamat, right? I think that's what it was. But uh, anyway, yeah, you you have this huge multi-headed thing that is all moving. Yeah, you can you can get an infection in one part of it, and it can spread through the whole thing. But you also have all of these different organs and all of these different systems and these different app chains, kind of building consensus, consensus and collaborating on each other. It isn't just a an open passage to infect the entire ecosystem from one place. I mean, we saw that with Terra. You know, people clamped down hard on the IBC chain and communication when the Terra, you know, contagion broke out. So, I, I really think long term, scaling horizontally is is going to build a lot of value. It's going to be interesting to see how it all scales together, though. In terms of security and some sort of governance and and communication i mean the big thing is i think the big takeaway the realization is that ibc isn't where everybody thinks it is the same way like everybody thought smart contracts were this magic thing and you could put in your rules and and the reality is is most people most a lot of projects don't actually use smart contracts that much there's a lot of web 2 stuff going on and off-chain databases and things and IBC is kind of in that state right now, but we're seeing uh, with uh, what uh, Composable Labs is doing with their, um, it's their virtual machine translation layer. I can't remember the name of it. It's four letters. And then I the new versions of IBC coming forward from Axelar uh, and Strange Love and some of these integration pieces that are going. So we're basically looking to shoot to get atomic, multi-chain commits so that when you do something on one chain, you actually get the results you're expecting uh, when you're interacting with, yeah, it's xcbm. when you're interacting with other chains. And right now it doesn't work that way. It's like if you do a swap, it goes over, starts the swap, comes back and says, hey, I'm doing the swap. And then it goes back over again and finishes off and sends the tokens. It's not just a one transfer message. And those are done by I'll end it in this, but those are done by relayers that are actually off-chain, you know? So there's there's a lot of different moving pieces that are going on with IBC at this state, that, which is why you're seeing Mars and other protocols, you know, deploying outposts, not actually building off their own app chain. Even Kujira is, you know, they're not gonna liquidate from the Kujira chain. They're gonna build liquidation contracts on the individual chains. So, but bullish on Cosmos in the uh, long-term.
2: Yeah, I think the ability for each of these communities to have their own, you know, chain, their home chain with their different, you know, groups that have different incentives, different things that they care about, but it all meshes together um, in a seamless way. I think the promise of that is super powerful. And I think that that is a differentiator with what Cosmos is doing than what some of the other, like, um, blockchain Tech is doing just the way that they're looking at it and approaching it. It solves a lot of problems, and I think it gives that unique ability for you to have, you know, app chains that are focused on different. You want an NFT chain, you can have an NFT chain. You want a chain specifically for your game, you know, you could have that, but have those connections to any of the other chains for things that are needed. Um, it's it's really powerful. It's a powerful concept, and I think I think we'll get there. It's just yeah. There's still work that needs to be done, for sure.
3: And one thing to add to that too is that the cool thing about the way the Cosmos works is that right now we're so early; it's not winner takes all. It's 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 interchain stuff, trying to pr- find market fit. So we're going to have multiple communication layers, like competing to see who's the most efficient and most secure layer. That's going to create a, a you know an inner web of communication between these chains.
0: I appreciate both of your in-depth answers there. And yes, as both of you mentioned, we're still very early in what Cosmos's long-term thesis is. But a little bit as to what Crash was alluding to as well, this is uh this is the alternate this is the alternate narrative I think f- compared to something like a lot of the proof of stake L1s out there right now. Um, I mean, it, it, essentially Ethereum was was had competition pop up because. It wasn't scaling as fast as people wanted it to, and gas fees were too high, and so people created these other alternative chains to try and compete against that and take market share. But there really was no differentiating factor. And the thing is, if Ethereum is able to stay competitive in those space in, the, in those facets and aspects, and they are able to uh, basically reclaim market capture, and they still have you know the most amount of interest, either mainstream or development wise, people know what Ethereum is for the most part in mainstream, maybe more so than like a Solana. Not throwing shade. I'm not going to get into it, but like more so than a lot of the other alternate alternate L1s. But then going off of that, like Cosmos has this entire other thing going on. It's not the same idea. It's not this large umbrella of one network rules them all. It's like all these other different little networks almost in the same Orbit as this one large network brand, this this Cosmos Atom idea. Um, and then the whole Atom 2.0 white paper is very interesting. Um, I think they, they mentioned cooperative finance. I think CoFi was one of the aspects they were speaking about as well. So seeing maybe how these things play out would be very interesting. But yes, I'm, I'm optimistic to see where this all goes and, and where a lot of this is headed. Um, to all of you, thank you so much for your time today. As we move into our wrapping up questions, I do want to get just one more rundown on what we can look forward to in from Y Foundry in the next few months, maybe a short to midterm goals. So, if one of you mind, just giving the roadmap to listeners about what they can look forward to for developments rolling out.
1: I don't think we're calling it a roadmap at this point, but uh, you know, it's maybe like progress and kind of like what where we're building towards and what we've built. Uh, because like beyond beyond the mvp launch that we have planned uh it's really up to the community and i think we want to leave it at that but uh you know being called contributors we will stay in the community and work with everyone there to continue to see like kind of the the features that that can be fleshed out the the things that will make white foundry like fuller bigger better faster stronger uh def punk
3: (laughs) (laughs) we're we're going we don't need roads we need community Mm -hmm. so that's what we're shooting
0: for where we're going, we don't need any roads. (laughs) I love that. I want to uh, bring us to our final question of the day. And this is not a crypto related question. I actually just looked at this and I'm trying to figure out what made me think of asking this one. But at the end of every interview, we ask a fun fact. Uh, It can be literally about anything, but just a non-crypto related topic is usually the, uh, the gist of it. And this week... This week we're going with a very unique one. Um, And the fun fact question for all of you is, what is your least favorite smell and why? And whoever has the idea, jump at them first. Go ahead. But least favorite smell.
2: I can jump at this one first. I've got a teenage son, and maybe I shouldn't have chose this one. I, I can't even identify what the smell is coming from his room exactly. I would say it's... Old Cheetos in old socks, maybe like 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 instead of a bag of Cheetos, it's just like that's what I'm imagining in my head. It's like old rotten Cheetos in using a sock as a bag. Um, it's disgusting. I'm I hoping that's what it is. I, I could offer up some other um, some other I, options, but
0: I I'll you know, that. I thought that was going one direction and one direction only <laughs> until you mentioned Cheetos. <laughs> so thank you crash thank you for that
3: one well teenager definitely is top of the list i mean teenager smell man is if you if you if you've never grown into adulthood and then spent any time with teenagers it it is a you're like i smell like that too you know it's like really but i would say you know like uh for me the smell of a lowland scotch is probably like when you get into a really nasty gnarly lowland scotch that smells like somebody's been burning electrical circuits and plastic um it is a like i i don't know i can drink a lot of things but that's just one one that i just do not care for
0: it smells burnt and it burns your throat you get best of best worst of both worlds it just burns
3: like those little electric uh cars you remember uh-huh. the electric car track you put them on you just hold them in place it's that mm-hmm.
0: smell yeah the electrical <laughs> smoke like the sparks coming out just drinking that
1: funnily enough the very similar with ray uh i recently just tried uh lagavulin scotch uh thanks to a friend and it, it's a total like chemical compound burnt tire smell for me <laughs> Uh, I mean, not to insult any whiskey lovers out there. I'm like, you know, don't yuck anyone's yum, right? But that that smell, I mean, definitely not a fan of that. I think anything sort of like burning plastic, kind of like synthetic kind of smell. Because generally, uh, not, not not a lot grosses me out, you know, as someone who's worked in the kitchen and like in a school cleaning up vomit and things like that. You kind of like, you get numb to it, mm-hmm. you know. At some point, you just accept that you are going to face those kinds of smells at some point. Uh, you know, garbage and rotting food and things like that. But like anything that's synthetic and like burning, that's not a nice. That's that's a sign of danger. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, mm-hmm. like it 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 could actually be toxic, uh, and yeah, it's just not a pleasant smell. It might kill you overall. <laughs> yeah, literally.
0: Yeah, I am right up with you, the guys there, with both of you guys there in terms of the chem like the plastic smell. I am a huge. I hate chemical smells. I really dislike, uh, like uh, spray paint. Really despise it. Can't stand spray paint. Anything that's very chemically that just doesn't go away can linger. Also, fish. More specifically, any like white fish like haddock or sole. I mean, I'm really specific here. Just my New England East Coast uh, uh, coming out here, but like just really fishy fish. It sticks around. The smells terrible. Uh, <laughs> so, just FYI, if you're ever cooking it, it's bad. Um, Thank you all for answering that. I know that was a weird one, but you know, this is the fun fact question and you never know what I'm going to come up with for these. So, <laughs> you all got the smells one for today. But my final question for all of you is uh where should listeners go to learn more about why Foundry and yeah, what's the best place to get involved? Discord, Twitter, where should people get sent to?
3: Come to the Discord. Do the uh check out our bounties. Get involved, earn reputation.
0: I think you I think people just got the instructions right there. Just go to the Discord. Do the bounties, earn reputation.
1: We're at discordgg slash yfd, or you can head on over to yfoundry.io. Uh, you know, hit up our links are all there. Yeah, definitely come to the Discord. love to see you there.
2: Yeah, we're on Twitter also. you'll also put the
1: links down, I'm sure, in the mm-hmm. show notes, but uh, twitter.com
0: Y Dow. But Discord's definitely where Crash, you're, you ste- you're stealing my line there. So yes, all the links will be down there in the show notes. <laughs> Crash has uh smash that like yeah, button. smash that or like, like and button, and smash that subscribe button, <laughs> hit the bell all right but once again thank you guys for sharing um yeah this is an awesome project i really love the ethos that you guys are spreading and it's community driven it's building community driven projects for the community needs that they have uh and helping contribute to the broader cosmos world so i really hope we can see some cool things coming out of it and I, i look forward to continuing to follow up with what you guys are building so thank you again for your time